moments, hello humans of the world. It is me, Ellie Krug on AM 950, Ellie 2.0 Radio you're listening to. Hello, happy Monday to you. Happy Monday, November 16th. Happens to be my brother's 62nd birthday. Hey, happy birthday, bro. Um, I don't think he ever listens to the show, though. Anyway, I am thrilled to be here with you. Excited, ecstatic. Oh, just over the top. Because we have yet another lovely show on lovely AM 950. Okay. You know, uh, and this is where we talk about idealism and idealists. This is a happy show. I talk about good things and how people can be good to each other, generally, okay? Um, And I know, um, people uh, are tired. (laughs) They are very, very tired of what's going on in the world right now. So let me try and give you some optimism. Um, and it's something that will overcome pessimism, maybe not by a whole lot, but let me just try and do that. And we have a great show uh, today. The, the big interview is going to be an encore interview uh, with Jessica Greb from an earlier show this year. I'm sorry. I am a one-woman operation, and booking guests for this show um, was one task too far this week. So, this past week. In my C block, I'm going to talk about uh, a labor of love. My newsletter, The Ripple. Mm. But let's start out with um, uh, an I, not an idealist per se, at least initially, I'm going to tell you, but instead an idealistic symbol. Um, and it's really just uh, three letters pieced together. The letters B, L, and M. Of course, representing Black Lives Matter. You, um, listeners uh, of this station in particular know what BLM stands for. Of course, if you go out west, BLM stands for the Bureau of Land Management out in Colorado and Utah and all that, so it gets a little confusing for those people. The problem with BLM, Black Lives Matter, is that those three letters in that combination are creating controversy and putting idealists across the country to the test. So now I am going to talk about an idealist, um, someone in Burlington, Wisconsin, population 11,000, um, which is about a half hour from Kenosha. Um, and in Burlington, there is an elementary school named the Cooper School. A 30-year-old teacher named Melissa Statz, S-T-A-T-Z, teaches fourth grade there at Cooper. Um, no, by the way, all of what I'm going to talk, talk to you about here comes from an NBC News piece by Tyler Kincaid. Um, it's a piece that ran uh, within the last week. Sorry, I don't have the exact date. So Melissa Stats grew up in Burlington, but then went away to Boston to college. I'm very familiar. She went to Northeastern in, in Boston, very good school, very good school for teachers. And it's uh, like a community, uh, it's not like a community college, but it is like a city college. It's a very, very good college. So she went there, got her teaching degree. Melissa comes back to Burlington, marries someone. They have a couple of kids. And then she's ready at age 30 to go into the classroom in Burlington. And she gets this fourth grade teaching assignment. And this is her first year in Burlington, all right, in late August, classes start. And um, in late August... Uh, some of Melissa's students start to ask about the unrest that had occurred in the country, but particularly that was occurring in Kenosha. Uh, You will recall that on August 25th, 
uh, that then 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse allegedly shot and killed two people ostensibly to protect businesses in Kenosha. So Melissa's, her students were all, you know, they were interested in, these are fourth graders, but they're interested in the world to their credit. So Melissa, our idealistic teacher, decides that the situation presented a teaching moment. And she used a curriculum uh, that involved um, a children's book and then a children's-oriented video about racism and the civil rights movement and structural racism. And, um, and it talked about, the video talked about Black Lives Matter. And, um, and she had a, a, a homework assignment, like a, a, a worksheet for the students to fill out. Now, by the way, parenthetically, I'm going to tell you I went and looked at the video. It's uh, You can Google this. I know, listeners, you always have pen and paper. Just handy when Ellie Krug is on the air because I'm giving you all these wonderful tips. Google Brain Pop, B-R-A-I-N, pop, all one word, like your brain, Brain Pop, B-L-M. Google that, and you'll come up with about a 10-minute video that is exceedingly instructional, um, it's not like totally in your face. It's about the civil rights movement and, and uh, about BLM, but about also about fomenting change in America through peaceful protest. And so it's a great video, actually, and geared towards elementary school kids. Anyway, Melissa, she gives the kids the video. She gives the kids, she, she, she's got a book, a children's book about it, uh, about uh, racism. And then she gives this worksheet that posed questions Questions such as, quote, what is the BLM, Black Lives Matter movement, trying to do, unquote. Quote, how do we stop systemic racism, unquote. This is on the worksheet. Initially, Melissa was thrilled the class seemed engaged and one of the few black kids in her fourth grade class even thanked Melissa for teaching about racism. That student, black girl, hugged Melissa. And Melissa's like, yeah, this is what idealists live for. You know, I'm making some impact trying to change the world. But unfortunately, all of that was short-lived. Within a day, a parent had posted online an image of the worksheet complaining that it was an attempt to, quote, indoctrinate our kids. Soon, other parents joined in and they demanded that the school district discipline Melissa, our 30-year-old, starry-eyed, idealistic fourth-grade teacher. Subsequently, there was a school board meeting where angry parents showed up. You can picture that scene, can you not? That was, and that was accompanied by, preceding that meeting, uh, racial slurs being painted on school buildings. Initially, the school district superintendent took a neutral stance on Melissa's anti-racism lesson plan. He wrote a letter to parents that Melissa's lesson plan was an, quote, individual decision, not part of the approved curriculum, unquote, and urged parents to contact, contact Melissa with questions. Uh, that sounded pretty cowardly to me as I was reading it, uh, but ultimately only one parent reached out and contacted Melissa. And Melissa reported that after explaining the goals of her anti-racism lesson plan, pretty good with it. No problem with that parent. But other parents in Burlington churned rumors. One rumor was that Melissa had been fired from her prior teaching job, and that forced Melissa to go get a letter from her former boss in Chicago saying, no, she hadn't been fired. 
Can you imagine that? You've got people coming at you, and now you've got to go out and start reaching it past in your life to prove a negative. The showdown came in the form of a mid-September school board meeting with 200 people in the school gymnasium. Again, second school board meeting. This sounds like a special school board meeting to deal with this controversy. You can just picture 200 people, some for Melissa, some against Melissa, all in the bleachers in this gymnasium. And there were supporters of Melissa that were there, and there were others that were calling for her firing. Then at the end of that gymnasium school board meeting, a board member read a statement saying that Melissa wouldn't be disciplined because it was a, quote, one-time use of curriculum materials. In other words, we won't let Melissa ever make this mistake again. The problem is, is that it didn't end there. And Melissa continued to get horrific social media messages calling her a, quote, piece of human garbage and, quote, a piss-poor excuse of a teacher. This is, now, this is in Wisconsin, all right? This is about a fourth-grade teacher trying to teach her students about America's history of how it subjugated black and brown people. And after that, after those things on social media, the vandals came back and started and painted the N-word on school property. At that point, the district superintendent, the school district superintendent got brave and issued another letter affirming the need to say that Black Lives Matter is a way of recognizing America's um, that America has done a poor job of teaching that black and brown people have value in our country. So finally, the superintendent comes through and he says, hey, you know what? This BLM thing is important because it reminds us and it's teaching us about how to be better in America. More recently, teacher Melissa um, has been receiving less hate mail. I'm happy to report that. She continues to believe that she didn't do anything wrong, and that's absolutely true, and said that for next year she may send a letter to the parents before she teaches about anti-racism in America. Okay, but that doesn't mean she's not going to do it. Most of all, the thing Melissa understands is that in small Midwest town America, she's having an impact. And that, my friends is what all idealists strive for, having an impact. Melissa Statz in Burlington, Wisconsin, I applaud you. Keep it up. Keep making people uncomfortable. Keep teaching young minds about how we need to be better to black and brown and all other people that we have considered other. Keep teaching young humans about the need to make the world better. There you go. Okay, now there's going to be an encore interview of another idealistic Wisconsinite, Jessica Greb, from earlier this year. I think you'll enjoy that. If you like what you hear with me, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. I, I had a listener call me or email me the other day with a tip on an idealist. We'll be back in a second. Thanks. Better Futures Minnesota's Reuse Warehouse has big news. We have a brand new online store. Check out reusebfm.com. 
This is a great way to see what we carry in the reuse warehouse. Appliances, building materials, kitchen and bath fixtures, lighting, flooring, lumber, heating and cooling items. Don't miss the beautiful benches and COVID safety shields that are hand-built using reclaimed wood from our deconstruction projects. Check out ReuseBFM.com. That's ReuseBFM, as in Better Futures Minnesota, dot com. Hello, this is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 2 to 3 p.m. Many listeners know that I train on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming to diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on equity and dismantling racism. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change how they see the world. And now I'm doing all of my work online so everyone can attend regardless of where you're located. For more information, go to elliekrug.com. Thank you. I look forward to hearing from you. We're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. Um, you know, uh, again, please go check out uh, Rosalie Fish. Go just Google her, as I said at the end of last segment. You will not be uh, disappointed by reading about such an inspirational human. And now, talking about inspirational humans, inspirational organizations, I have on the line with us for the big interview, I have Jessica Greb from, I think it's Racine, Wisconsin. Jessica, are you there? I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. Jessica, I'm having you on the show because you are, um, I think, the founder, if not the founder, one of the architects of an organization is, I believe, again, out of Racine, uh, Orchestrating Good, the name of the organization. Do I have that right? You are correct. Okay. All right. Well, that's great. And Jessica, I'll tell you, the, the reason I'm talking to you is over the holidays, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you may not know this about me, but I'm a news junkie. I get, I, you know, I'll just sit on my bed sometimes and just for 45 minutes take in all kinds of news feeds and figure out whether there are some things there that are of interest to me around this topic of idealism. And I saw a news feed come through about you and some of your colleagues from Orchestrating Good um, going to a restaurant, uh, again, I believe in Racine, and um, giving a a server there, a, a female woman server there, um, $100 each from your group. So it turned out to, what, 1300 bucks? Do I have that right? You are correct, yes. Okay, all right. So that's how you got on my radar. I'm like, whoa, this is kind of cool. And I know most recently, holiday season, we've been seeing a number of people that have been doing this, going to restaurants and giving servers, you know, that kind of money. I mean, in my personal view is why couldn't we do that all year round? But, but nonetheless, and so you got on my radar that way. And so can you tell us what is orchestrating good and how did it come about? Well, first of all, I'm just really excited that you heard about us through that story. Um, We did not intend for it to grab the audience that it did um, when we did do that, and we're so encouraged that it actually reached people across the ocean, and we're hearing um, that we've been able to inspire a lot of people um, as a result of that. And the mission component to Orchestrating Good is to collaborate with our communities and to compose, recognize, and support the good that's happening all around us. 
Okay, well, and you and I have that in common, okay, because um, uh, I have a saying, when I do my training on human inclusivity, I say, you know, I talk to people, I say, if you go on Twitter right now for just five minutes, it looks like all we do is hate each other. And frankly, what I'm finding through my training, as my listeners have heard multiple times, is that I think that we're all, we all care about each other way more than anybody thinks. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think, I think when you give people the opportunity to make a choice, um, you're gonna, I think they're going to choose good. So how did Orchestrating Good come about? And how long has it been around? So um, it's only been around a little over four months, which is kind of crazy to me. But really, it, it all evolved um, with me turning 40 years old this past summer. And um, my husband had been asking, you know, where do you want to go for a trip? How are we going to celebrate? And I reflected on how blessed I have been um, in my life and thought, you know, I can I can go on a trip at, you know, any time with, and I see my friends not as often as I'd like, but we could pull that together pretty quickly. Like, I want to do something a little bit different. So um, I have worked for a nonprofit and volunteered at other nonprofits for the past 20 years and had a real soft spot in my heart for all the little ones, um, especially, that don't get the visibility that some of the others do. So I wanted to go out and compose 40 good deeds in a single day. Um, And so I gathered seven of my closest girlfriends that have influenced me in my life and and planned a a day to do that and didn't tell them what we were doing. You didn't tell your friends what you were were going to do? No, I I love a great surprise. I, I did tell them. Uh, you know, to, I'll have a shirt for them to wear. Um, you know, we're all going to be, I rented a big van and had someone drive us, didn't tell the driver where we were going, just would give them an address as we went throughout the day. And then um, I'd become great friends with a local filmmaker and had reached out to him earlier in the spring and thought this is something that I want to videotape and have a memory of. Um, so him and another um, cameraman spent the day with us um, filming everything that we did so that we would have that. Okay, piece. and so this this was four months ago that you, you did this? 40 good yes, deeds in a day? And so yep, what were we the... Did this wh- in August. Okay, what were the 40 good deeds? Give us an idea of some of those deeds. Um, f- not all of them were working directly with nonprofits, but a good handful of them were. So there's nonprofits in every community, um, there's thousands of them if you really start looking. And what I wanted to do is reach out to some of them that I'd had worked with or had heard about, and I learned more and figured out ways for us to be able to interact with them on this day, one of which is a nonprofit um, called Feather and Nest, and they work with local homeless shelters to um, place furniture in homes for pe- people who are transitioning from homelessness into housing. So we had the opportunity to go to a house and help them bring in the furniture, set it up for the individual that was going to be calling that place home. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so we, d- we did a, a lot of different things throughout the day. And how we got to 40 um, was I had some cards made up, and I, I am working on having more, so I'll be able to pass them out to the public. But I think we can all do a better job looking at the good that's happening, like I said, every day around us. And since I've decided to shift my focus to this, I, I see so much of it all the time, and it's in, in little subtle ways. 
And I think when we have the opportunity to tell someone thank you for doing something good or thank you for what you did made me feel a certain way, I think I think we should pause and take the time to do that. So these cards, um, I had put uh, $10 in each of these cards and asked the girls, I, I gave them all a handful of them and asked them to um, walk. Our, we spent some of the time in Milwaukee um, and asked them to walk the city and look for people doing good and talk to them about it. Okay. Uh, phenomenal idea. Just a really great idea. We've got just uh, about 30 seconds here. Can you uh, let our listeners know how big is Racine? How large is the metropolitan area? So we can get an idea of of what you're working with in that community. Uh, that's a that's a really great question, and I don't know that I have the the answer for it. I'd have to check it out. But we are, if you are familiar with the size of Milwaukee, um, we're we're pretty similar in size per um, as far as people count is considered. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we can figure that out. All right. Well, listen, um, we're, uh, Jessica, we're going to need to take a break. And when we come back, I want to learn more about orchestrating good and a little bit more about why you're such an idealist. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. So listeners, we've been speaking with Jessica Greb from uh, Orchestrating Good, an organization, a startup organization, barely, barely brand new um, out of Racine, Wisconsin. Um, if you like what you hear um, about this show, please um, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Um, you know, I love to hear from you, so email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at elliekrug, and follow me on Instagram at elliejkrug. And so, um, and when we come back, we'll do a little bit more speaking with Jessica. Thanks. If you're looking to save money on your home or building improvement project, check out Better Futures Minnesota's reuse retail warehouse in South Minneapolis. We carry salvage building materials such as cabinetry, flooring, plumbing fixtures, appliances, lighting, and more, saving you money and saving the planet by keeping these items out of the landfill, by giving them another life. Selections change daily, and we also take donations. Go to betterfuturesminnesota.com and look under Reuse Warehouse to learn more. Let us know AM950 sent you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. Um, okay, we've been speaking with Jessica Greb um, from Racine, Wisconsin. We have that established. And uh, she is with an organization. She is the founder and um, executive director of Orchestrating Good, a um, soon-to-be nonprofit um, out of Racine, Wisconsin, where uh, Jessica and some of her colleagues in the community are going to work are working with nonprofits and other organizations to highlight the good in the world. I have all that correct, right, Jessica? 
You sure do. Okay. So give us an idea of some of the, you, I mean, you, you've only been around since uh, August of 2019. Give us an idea of some of the other things that you have done. Um, other than you're handing out your cards, you know, with $10 in to highlight people that have done good and then helping um, uh, with uh, setting up a house for somebody who isn't going into transitional living. Um, you're, you're, and, oh, and by the way, before we do anything further, why don't you let the audience know what your website location is so that they can go check out Orchestrating Good. So our website is orchestratinggood.org and you can access um, all of our video content on there, and you can also see us on Facebook. Okay, and Facebook is the same uh, same title. Orchestrating good. Okay, great. All right, Thank so you. I did go on your website, and I did look at some things. I mean, for example, you did something with a haunted house in uh, Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin. What was that all about? Sure. So um, the, a member of our local community had reached out to me and said. You know, I know that in Racine we have what we call COP houses, and they're um, community-oriented policing. So there are police officers that are stationed at these houses throughout the city um, in kind of some rough neighborhoods. And those houses are there to help build trust within the community and have relationships with those who live there with the police. And for the past couple of years, this particular house had, the, the men in the house had been um, putting together a haunted house for all of the children in the neighborhood. So These were, the, poli- these were the police officers who were doing that? Yes, okay. they did that. So, okay. Yep, so they would, they organized this haunted house, and from what I understood it initially hearing, they just would go out, out and they'd, you know, work with other individual organizations in the community to, you know, solicit some support with candy and pumpkins and really give these kids um, a fall Halloween traditional experience that they probably typically wouldn't have if they didn't do this for them. Okay. So I thought it, I thought it was remarkable that these guys took it upon themselves. This isn't their day job to do this. Um, but they just, re- you could just tell they really care about our community and, so we wanted to, a lot of what we do is through um, visual storytelling, through um, either photograph or video, and we were able to um, spend some time with them that day and take some video and tell that story a little bit so that the public knew what was happening in their neighborhoods. Okay. Oh, great. Okay. And then on your website, there's another one that really uh, uh, grabbed me was on your website, you've got the story about what you call a sign flipper. Um, a gentleman mm-hmm. who uh, stood at an intersection and would sell during uh, different times of the day, would sell water and pop and chips to people stopped in their cars at what? Was it a traffic light or a stop sign? Yep. So he he positioned himself um, on Martin Luther King and State Street here in Racine and um, the our local newspaper had run an article on him early in the summer, and um, a friend of mine had shared that with me a little bit a while later. And can when I, I watched the can video, I, can I stop you? What is the gentleman's name? Sure, his name is Edward. Okay, great. Go ahead. We'll talk about Edward. Thanks. Go ahead. Sure. So, so um, as I read the article about Edward, and they had done a small video, I saw that. He was transporting all of his items with a baby stroller. His coolers looked to be, you know, not in the best of shape. And 
I started asking around and learning more about him. And from what I understood, everybody, it seemed like I was the last person who knew who Edward was. But everybody was uh, had wonderful things to say about him and said they stopped by him frequently or take a detour just to drive past him. He's just an encouraging person and all he's doing, you know, and he's trying to show his boys um, what a hard day's work looks like um, for him. So I don't know his story. I don't know, you know, how he got to the place he's at. But what I do know is that he is making a lot of people smile in this community and he's doing something good. And I think sometimes we need to meet people where they are. And it might not be what I think he should be doing, but it is. Hmm. But I need to meet him where he is because he's doing a great job and I want to encourage him to continue. So, so um, go ahead. Yep. No, so we so we thought, okay, we're gonna we're gonna surprise him and give him some new coolers and a cart and stock him up with some supplies, um, and, and dig a little deeper into his story and understand, you know, why he is continuing to do this work. And so that's what we did. And you have a wonderful video of, I mean, you and your colleagues going to this gentleman, surprising him with multiple coolers. I mean, I. I was thinking, how does he get them all there on a daily basis now? But um, and and food and, and and some money and a cash box that because he, he was using a cardboard box to store his um, proceeds and all that stuff. And it, it's a wonderful video. It it and it and I love that you are doing kind of videography and photography to document what it is that other people doing good are doing. I mean, we're a society of storytellers and listeners, and certainly we're very visual. So I think that that's very great. Well, thank you. And we we feel the same way. Um, We're inspired by what we see and what we hear and what we experience. And by not doing, by not videotaping these moments or not, you know, taking the time to document these stories and share them, I, I think it's just much harder to to inspire and and really resonate with people and we're just our our you know our patience and our attention span is so short these days with yep. the world just moving so quickly so to be able to get in front of somebody with you know photograph or a, a, a short video to tell that story um I, we we believe that that is the way to go and the best way to get these stories out there so you're the proponent of orchestrating good, and you've got um, some of your um, friends who are your board members. Do I have that right? Correct. Okay. And uh, you're working on your 501c3. You're hoping that you'll have that within the next couple of months, right? I'm hoping so, yes. Okay. All right. Well, just hang in there. Okay. It'll happen. And um just takes persistence with the government to get that, that status. Trust me, I've done a couple of nonprofits. (laughs) Indeed it does. So so we have about um, three minutes left. And so I want to talk about you, Jessica. Okay. Why are Mm -hmm. you an idealist? What, you know, what came about in your background? I mean, it is not a given that on your 40th birthday, you would decide I'm going to pivot and do something different. So you talked a little bit about having been in the nonprofit world, but that doesn't necessarily make for idealists. What I mean, was there somebody in your in your life as you were growing up? Did you have some experience of kindness by another human? What made you an idealist? It is a combination of so many things when I reflect back, and I think a lot of it starts with 
You know, I had a grandmother who worked very hard and things did not come easy, but her doors were always open to anyone that needed a place to have a meal or just have a conversation. And she didn't have a lot. Um, her house wasn't huge by any means, but that the, the, the rooms were packed every holiday and, and at random times throughout the year. And so I think seeing that early on, um, I, I was encouraged to ask questions and talk with people. And then as I went throughout my life and had the opportunity to work in some corporate positions as well as nonprofit positions, I was able to see the world from both sides and how we can do a better job supporting nonprofits and how um, potentially nonprofits can do a better job um, telling their story so that they can get more support. I think, you know, having tremendous leaders um, that I've worked alongside throughout my career, they they are the ones that led with their heart and always put the needs of others ahead of their own. And I was fortunate to have some of those amazing people in my life support me and tell me the truth when it hurt a little uh, and remind me that it's important to influence rather than direct and to focus more on people and numbers and don't forget to have some fun while you're at it. Well, and certainly from the website, it looks like you and your colleagues are having fun. And so, you know, that's a great thing. Have you gotten any pushback? I mean, you're, you know, you're doing a new idea. You're going forward. Have you gotten any pushback from anybody about this? I think that the pushback that we get, I mean, I see the challenges as opportunities, and we're still wrapping our minds around the best way to tell the stories that we're fortunate to be a part of. But it's tricky when we want to recognize good because there are people that shy away from wanting recognition because hmm. they're fearful of what others are going to think of them. And our goal is to change that mindset and for people to see recognition as inspiration. Ah. Because if we, don't, if we don't recognize the incredible work being done by telling these stories, how can we possibly inspire others? And the same goes for composing. If you can't see or hear about something, how do you become informed and take action? Well, Jessica, I've got to tell you, we're, we're out of time, but I have so much enjoyed speaking to you. And um, I just want to tell you, from one idealist to another, keep it up, okay? Persistence is the key. And using your imagination. And it looks like you've got both of those down, you and your colleagues. So I just want to compliment you. I also want to let you know, if there's anything I can do to help you, let me know, all right? We appreciate your support so much. Thank you, Ellie. All right. Well, you're welcome. So, listeners, we've been speaking to Jessica Greb from Orchestrating Good out of Racine, Wisconsin. Go to their website at orchestratinggood.org. Check them out. See if you can support them. They do take donations. When we come back from the break, I'm going to do my C block, talk a little bit about my work, and talk about um, what idealists do or don't do. Thanks. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 2 to 3 p.m. Many listeners know that I train on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming to diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on equity and dismantling racism. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change how they see the world. And now I'm doing all of my work online so everyone can attend regardless of where you're located. For more information, go to elliekrug.com. Thank you. I look forward to hearing from you. Better Futures Minnesota's Reuse Warehouse has big news. We have a brand new online store. Check out reusebfm.com. 
This is a great way to see what we carry in the reuse warehouse. Appliances, building materials, kitchen and bath fixtures, lighting, flooring, lumber, heating and cooling items. Don't miss the beautiful benches and COVID safety shields that are hand-built using reclaimed wood from our deconstruction projects. Check out ReuseBFM.com. That's ReuseBFM, as in Better Futures Minnesota, dot com. AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. I hope you enjoyed that interview of Jessica. I thought, you know what? I just, you know, she just decided she was going to put that, you know, group together and just go out and try and do good in the world. You know, so I've given you two stories of two people from Wisconsin, two idealists. So say what you will about Wisconsin. I know some of you have said some of those things, okay? But you know what? There are good people all over the place. There are, and there are far more good people than there are bad. You remember my saying that 98% of all good people, of all people have good empathetic hearts, 2% total sociopath, but the other 98% of us are good. Okay. <laughs> That's a segue into my C block where I talk about my work as an idealist. And, you know, um, I went back and I looked and I saw that it's been more than two years since I spoke about my monthly newsletter, The Ripple. And so, um... You know, I think I'm going to talk about it again on this, in this aspect here, okay? Um, and this is in part triggered by the fact that I spent uh, a good chunk of the weekend working on my newsletter. The newsletter, The Ripple, derives its name from Bobby Kennedy's 1966 Ripples of Hope speech in Cape Town, South Africa, where he spoke about how small individual acts of courage small ripples of hope can come together to create a great river of change. My newsletter began in the summer of 2016. In July, the very first issue was July 2016 with 245 recipients. In the four and a half years since then, um, the mailing list has grown to more than 9,300 people. As of today, it's 9,319 recipients, to be exact. The ripple goes out every month, except in July, when I take, try and take my vacation, which usually means I'm just going to ride my bicycle a whole lot more. And the whole premise of the ripple is about how humans are actually good to each other. Remember what I just said about 98% of all humans having good, empathetic hearts? You know, in the echo chamber of what we have in our world right now, goodness does not sell. That is not what they're throwing up on uh, the nightly news or on NPR. Well, sometimes on NPR, but uh, I, I just talked about a competitive radio station. Sorry. But what... Um, but we miss a lot of the good that goes on out in the world. You know, I, I mean, I do. I believe that maybe 60, 70, 100 million times a day, people go out of their way in this world to be good to other people. 
And in the, in the ripple, what I do is I share stories about how humans are good to each other. So, for example, coming up, uh, I'm working on the newsletter. It will go out hopefully on Thursday. It's a little a little late. I try always to get it out by the 15th, but we're going to be late this week, this month. But this uh, this issue coming up, here's a little teaser for you. Okay, it's going to be one story will be about a gay man who adopted all five siblings who had been placed in foster care. He started out with three and then found out that there were two more siblings out there caught up in the foster care system. And the man said, I will take all five to keep them together. Oh, my God. And then my second story is about a black woman whose car broke down in rural Minnesota only to have an older white man um, stop on the road, um, get under a car trying to start to help her, realized he needed a part drove this black woman into town um, so they could get the part and then he bought her he bought her lunch at McDonald's and it's a great story that that actually uh, that story came by way of a ripple reader um, or maybe it's even a listener on the show I don't remember but um, who said Ellie I think this would be good for your newsletter and they were darn right so see those those are the kinds of stories that are in my newsletter and I've got to tell you this this newsletter is a labor of love. Trust me. It is about 20 hours every month from start to finish that I put in on it. And usually it's like an intense weekend, although this weekend I, had, I, I was trying to get out a, um, an article for an international uh, law magazine, so that took up some of the time. And uh, So anyway, I'm a news junkie. And so when I see stuff uh, on, oh, on yeah, CNN or whatever, or you, a lot on Twitter, um, I, I click on it and I throw it into my Gmail account and I have a subfile there, newsletter, where all of that stuff goes. And then every month around the 10th to the 15th, I begin to create uh, that month's newsletter as I started this weekend. Um, and the newsletter always begins with an editorial uh, where I get to pontificate a little bit about the world. And this month's uh, editorial is titled Human Reset Button. Uh, you'll have to, if you're interested, you're going to have to get the newsletter. And then I share, you know, the stories, big stories about compassion and goodness um, that I just related to you. Um, and then uh, every issue has... A, a thing called the inclusivity tip where I talk about how to make organizations more inclusive and welcoming. I mean, not only am I sharing these stories, but I want the newsletter to have meaning to really not only make you feel good, but then you're going to come away with a tool um, from it. There is a method to all of my madness. And then the last section of the ripple is odds and ends. And this is, uh, this is kind of like a you know kitchen sink uh, thing, but it always begins with funny or soothing videos. Um, I'm I'm big on golden retriever puppies, um, or you know I've had videos in the past of people playing music outside, like a whole orchestra with COVID, just playing in a in a court square or playing in New York City in a park. Um, and then uh, sometimes I've got other videos, you know, dolphins swimming and all of that. I, this, this month, I'm going to have a, a video of a chameleon climbing up a long series of different colored straws, and you actually see the chameleon literally change color as it reaches each 
different colored straw on its climb upward. Amazing. And why do I do that? You know, I know that's nothing about idealism, but, you know, we all need breaks in life, and I'm just trying to do that with the newsletter. Um, <clears throat> I give snippets in my odds and ends of other stories, um, including good and bad things. <clears throat> Excuse me for uh, a lot of times I'm re referencing uh, what's happening in the world to transgender people and lesbian, gay, and bisexual people as well. And then I always share about something I've written or read. And almost every one of my issues of The Ripple has a book recommendation by my daughter, Kate, who, among other things, um, is a professional book reviewer. And I've got to tell you, my daughter, Kate, I'm a writer. I'm a hack writer, B-grade writer. My daughter, Kate, let me tell you, she is an A-plus writer. I envy how well she can write. So yes, this newsletter is a total labor of love, but it allows me to connect with people. Selfishly, it makes me feel a little bit relevant in this world. But from reader emails and replies, clearly many people enjoy it. And I hear that it gives them hope in a time when hope is in desperately short supply. If you want to read about my newsletter, if you want to sign up for it, you're going to have to go to elliekrug.com. Uh, and you'll see on the menu bar, it says newsletter. And there you go. There's a place where you can just click on it and you can sign up for the newsletter. You can also see past issues of the newsletter, see whether it's something you're interested in. So there you go. If you're already a Ripple reader, thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. And if you are a Ripple reader, tell others about it because I always like getting the numbers up because I love having greater impact in the world. All right, there you go. End of C Block. Okay, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, idealist. <laughs> Tell others about this show. I need to give big thanks to our sponsor, Better Futures Minnesota, which gives people a second chance. A big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson, who always makes me sound good, relatively good at least, because he's... <laughs> There's not much for Brett to work on, work with on me. And to you, my listeners, thanks for tuning in every week. I really appreciate it. You're dear to me. Take care. Go out and make the world better. Till next week. Bye.